testimonies and really enjoying it. Well, you're going to enjoy it some more because this morning we have a, a wonderful dynamic preacher, teacher, and that is none other than Mr. Abhishek Bansori. All right, let's give him a warm welcome, Abhishek. Looking forward to hearing God's word from you this morning. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Thank you. So good afternoon to all of you. Uh, it is. It is indeed. A, uh, it was a joy to be uh, worshiping with you all, and it is. It is such a joy to be in fellowship and amazing time that we have had in the morning, and uh, it is a privilege to bring the message today. And uh, as as we go into the message, before that, I would just. Uh, just introduce a part of what we are going to do as a church. Okay, so we are two Sundays from Easter, right? We've just celebrated Easter two Sundays ago, and we are five Sundays away from what is known as the Pentecost Sunday. So now, in between this, in the Gospels and in the Book of Acts, we read uh, the appearances of Jesus from the time of his resurrection to the time of his ascension. And there are some 10 appearances of Jesus which are mentioned and they're all powerful. And as a, as a church, we are going to now in the, in the coming few weeks, uh, do a series of these, um, these uh, do a series on these appearances and try to learn from them. You know, theologians over the year have, years have been uh, trying to answer the question that what exactly did Jesus do when he appeared to his disciples after his resurrection and before his ascension? And there are some who believe that, uh, you know, Jesus, the, the, the concentration of his teaching was on, on the church governance, about the establishment of the church. And there is a, there's a theologian by the name of T.M. Moore, who was from the 19th century, and he, he wrote something which I'm going to read now. Uh, it says that he says that there is hardly a leading doctrine in the Christian system that was not in some sense brought forward during these memorable interviews. He's talking about the appearance of Jesus after his resurrection to his ascension. It was therefore to the apostles a period of training that fitted them eminently for the great work to which they were called in preaching the gospel to all nations. Like the 40 days that preceded the public ministry of the Lord, it was designed and adapted in an eminent degree to furnish preparation for the new manifestation of kingdom then to be made. So this is what it was. It, is, it was a period of preparation for the apostles. So let us also have that attitude of being ready and learning from the same appearances of Jesus Christ so that we can be better equipped to do the good works that we have been called to do just like the apostles had been called to do. Right, so let's pray before we get into the word. God Almighty, we just bow before you. We thank you for the time of worship that we could have. Thank you for the time of fellowship that we could have. And God Almighty, as we come before you, Lord, we ask you for our hearts to be prepared for the message that you have for us, Lord. And as I speak, Lord, I ask you, God Almighty, that I would be able to bring what your word is, what your heart is to your people, Lord. And we ask you to, for us to be able to receive it and to be able to do what your will is in our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So uh, of the appearances, there are some 10 appearances from Mary at the tomb to uh, the, the last appearance. And there, from those 10 appearances, I'm going to concentrate on the appearance of Jesus to Thomas, which we find in John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. Uh, could one of you please read uh, the, the scripture? 
One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nails, the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Uh, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the one recorded in this book. But, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. And thank you, Andrew. Thank you for reading. I've, I'm, I'm receiving messages that my voice is not clear. Am I audible now? Yeah. All right. So, so we are going to look into this uh, passage of scripture and... The title that I have chosen for today's uh, to, to, for today's message is skepticism to confession. The love, compassion, and gentleness of Jesus leads a skeptic to make a wonderful confession: "My Lord and my God." Now, doesn't this fit in so perfectly? with what happened in the morning, we were talking about God being so good to us, he being so kind to us and his nature. And this, this passage is where, what I would like to do is highlight the, uh, the character of Jesus and the love that he has and the gentleness and his meekness and how he brings people from where they are to where they should be, right? And and as we look at the scripture, you know, this, this is a popular story. I think most of us know this story and this story, we know this story as the doubting Thomas story. And we, we think we tend to associate the word doubting Thomas with Apostle Thomas, which I feel is a little unfair. But what we are going to do is we're going to see whether this is unfair and how it is unfair to, uh, to know this and to recognize this story as the doubting Thomas story. And from there, what I, in doing that, what I would like to also examine is the question that whether doubt actually disqualifies us from receiving from God. And then we will see the love of God in action and the result of the love of God in action. So let's, let's look at uh, this, this passage and let's uh, do a little character sketch of Thomas. Now, if you look at this passage, it is written by, of course, John. And John has a very, very specific objective in writing the gospel and uh, writing this gospel, which is in, in the verse 31. He says that this has been written so that you might believe. And therefore, we have to consider this passage from that. Keep that in mind while we are looking at this passage. Now, Thomas has been mentioned in the New Testament 12 times. Out of the 12 times, he has been mentioned in the gospel of John eight times. 
the rest of the rest of the times where Thomas has been mentioned has been mentioned only as one of the 12 disciples, the names of the disciples. Whereas in John, he has been mentioned eight times. And I don't think that this was by accident. It was definitely by design because John was building it up to bring it to a conclusion in the in this story right, of Thomas. All right. So let's look at what we know of, of Thomas in John. In John 11 verses 16, we see that Jesus is talking about going back to Judea because after Lazarus's death. Now, when he speaks about that, the response that Thomas has is, let's go to die. His direct uh, conclusion was about the, the practical reality of Jesus entering into an area where he has been, uh, where he has so many enemies. And that was the first thing. The second time in John chapter 14, verse 5, Jesus is talking about, you know, he going back and preparing a place for the believers, preparing a place for his disciples. And he says that I, you would know the way. Where I am, I will come to take you and you will know the way. And the immediate question that Thomas asks is, I don't know where, where you're going. How, how will I know where the way is? And that is when Jesus answered with the famous very famous verse, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the third one is in this story where we are looking at the story where Thomas was not present earlier when Jesus made his appearance to the disciples. He refuses to believe them. And then Jesus comes to meet with him. All right. So what can we understand about Thomas from these scriptures? Let's do a little character sketch and see that Thomas is a straight talker. What he feels, what is in, on his mind, he speaks it up. He is a person who asks earthly, practical questions to Jesus Christ. He was also willing to die with Jesus Christ, same as what Peter had. He had, a, uh, he had that expectation of himself that he would be willing to die for Jesus. That didn't happen. And then he simply wanted the same, same, exact, same uh, proof that had been given to the rest of the disciples in Jesus actually meeting with them. All right. Is it too much of a stretch to think that at that moment, Thomas, who has been with Jesus throughout his ministry, has heard Jesus speak about many who would come in my name and who would claim that I am the Christ. So is it really a doubt for him to think that he would like to have a proof of what of whom this risen Jesus is rather than just believing? All right. So he had a practical he just wanted a the same proof as the rest of the disciples. Now, talking about doubt, okay, uh, let me tell you about myself. When I was uh, a younger Christian, when I was uh, newly into the born again uh, scene and all those things, I, when I, whenever I would read about the, the passage in the Bible where great faith was mentioned, you know, the faith of Peter when he walked on water, and whenever there were things like uh, the when Jesus spoke to the fig tree and it withered, and these things would be something that I would really be inspired by. All right, and those were things where I was really, really interested, and I wanted to be, have that type of faith. And every time I wanted to express and uh, and uh, use that faith of mine, what would happen was immediately uh, as soon as that faith would be there, there would be something in my mind which would cause doubt. And there was this cycle of me trying to not think negatively, not think doubt, and that would, in fact, make me think more. Now, this is, in psychology, this is a phenomenon called as 
the ironic uh, thought process or you might have seen movies in, in which they ask questions like don't think of a blue elephant or don't think of a pink elephant and the first thing that you do is you think of a pink elephant so that is how we are and that is why i was all i would always trip up in my my faith and i would like never had the have the faith to walk on water so so to speak so this was this was where i would always feel that i'm doubting all right but jesus has been kind to me and he has revealed a certain aspect of this to me which i would like to bring for, forward here too now you know when when we talk about doubt when we talk about such self defeating self limiting things the problem is that we are concentrating on ourselves when when you look at the same story of peter when he doubted and he fell into the water what was what was the next thing that happened the next thing that happened was jesus held on to him all right in all of the places it is always jesus who never ever lets go and we've just sung that song we've just worshiped him because he is that good he is the he does in all those situation he does what he does best and he saves us so does this does doubt disqualify us from receiving from god absolutely not this is this is where jesus understands us jesus has compassion on us he knows our limitation and therefore he was he's always going to step in and he's always going to be there in the time where we need it in our weakness you know second corinthians 12 11 says that his power is perfected in our weakness right so does doubt disqualify us absolutely not and is thomas really is it really fair to call thomas a doubting thomas no it's not because he was being what he is right now let's go to the next part of this story where we are talking about love in action right we see jesus coming down in the time of turmoil where all his disciples are locked up in a room and the first thing he comes to them and says is peace in the time of trouble this is what jesus does he is the king of peace he brings peace and then jesus goes on to gently address thomas and his concerns now here also jesus doesn't come to thomas with condemnation he doesn't come to thomas with criticism he doesn't come to him and saying what how could you not believe what were you not like this were you not this were what didn't i say that he comes there he knows what thomas's thoughts were he comes there ex- telling thomas exactly what thomas had said that unless i see the mark of the wounds in his hand unless my put i put my hand to his side i will not believe and jesus just invites him to just do exactly that this is the nature and the character of jesus christ in isaiah 42:3 it says a bruised reed he will not break and smoking flax he will not quench he is a compassionate and just messiah isaiah 42 is is uh, is an juxtaposition juxtaposed to isaiah 41 where 41 talks about human rulers rulers who've been wicked who rulers who've not done what what god had in his mind and then god says that i will elect and i will choose and i will select one and he will be like this and jesus was that one whom god had elected god has had chosen to be the compassionate and just messiah and he's demonstrating that here when he he gently brings thomas to the point where he can understand the heart of god right now he shows the marks of his wounds to thomas now again here we have to remember this is a part, this is 
happening after Jesus's resurrection. If we've read, uh, if you've read the uh, Gospel of John, Gospel of John has a section of Book of Glory where it is talking about the eminent glorification of Jesus Christ after his resurrection. Now, Jesus has has uh, has risen. And the glory has the glorification of Jesus has happened. He is now the name above all names. He that the Father God has put everything under his feet. That Jesus, as a glorified God, could have come to Thomas in a completely different way. He could have had a choir of angels around him singing. But he doesn't come there with that. He comes and he chooses to be identified by the marks of his wounds. He chooses, he, he is gently telling, reminding Thomas, look, this is where I was pierced for your transgression. This is where I was bruised for your iniquity. He's coming to show him his love in action. He, he's not coming to, uh, with that intention of of condemning or criticizing Thomas, he's coming to bring Thomas to the right way of thinking. That is the gentleness, the meekness, and that is the character of Jesus Christ. Isn't he wonderful? Isn't he lovely? That is our Lord and Savior. He values us. He values us. He knows our limitation. He is merciful. He is compassionate. That is what Jesus, that is what Jesus shows us in this passage. Now, imagine this is, you can even consider this in the, in the context of the lost sheep, that Jesus valued Thomas. He could have just let Thomas be like, okay, you don't believe, don't believe. But he went to Thomas. He came to Thomas where Thomas was, and he showed Thomas what Thomas wanted to see, to be able to believe right. That is Jesus. Now, Romans 14, how, can, we, uh, can we model this behavior in our lives? Of course we can, because Jesus is our Lord and Savior, and he wants us to model this behavior, this behavior in our lives. Romans 14, 1 says, be merciful to those who have weak faith. So it is when we see someone who has this type of a uh, yo-yoing attitude, so to speak, our job is to be merciful. Our job is to know that to show them love the same way that Jesus has showed Thomas love in this situation. So as you can see, John has not just mentioned Thomas randomly. This is all building up very nicely into the objective what John had, which is that we would believe. Now, from there, from after seeing Jesus, after having this encounter with Jesus, that is when the, the great, amazing, wonderful confession comes out from the mouth of Thomas. Now, there is no record where of Thomas actually putting his hands and touching Jesus at this time. It was just the love, the gesture of Jesus coming to him, meeting him at his point of need, coming to him and giving him what is required without condemnation, showing him that love that made Thomas just it, it made all the skepticism of Thomas just melt away in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the love of Jesus Christ. Amazing. That is, that is the functioning. That is the way of Jesus working in our lives, isn't it? There, there may be so many times where we have felt as if 
uh, either we have done certain things which have been out of sync with the with which we know that is out of sync with the will of God, or we've we've not had the faith required, or X or Y. We have we might have had self limiting, self defeating thoughts. You know, like the the way that I used to think. Every time I would want to do something in faith, the doubt would come, and I would feel as if I'm fighting a losing battle. But in all of those things, I want us to be encouraged. I want us to be encouraged and know that Jesus Christ is a compassionate God. He is God who has compassion on us, who knows us, who has, who knows our weaknesses, who knows our limitations, and He will, at our point of need, show us how to come out of that particular situation. All right, and uh, even. As he says what he says, what Thomas says, the, the confession, my Lord and my God, it is such, a, such an amazing statement, such a wonderful confession, because this is where Jesus as God is coming through, right? That nobody had to tell him, nobody, Jesus didn't come and say anything to him. He just showed him what he had done. And, and the confession that comes out of Thomas's mouth is my Lord and my God. Lord meaning his master to whom he submits and God being the divinity in whom he believes. So what an amazing, wonderful confession. Just the love of God. Just the love of God can bring anyone, a skeptic, a sinner to this point where they can confess and know that Jesus is their master, and Jesus is the God in whom they believe. Now, all this is building up nicely into the culmination and the conclusion of where, of where John wanted it to be. What John wanted it to be was that he wanted his readers, that is you and I, and everyone who reads the Gospel of John, to come to the same belief, to, to, that they may believe that Jesus is the, the Lord and master of our lives. He is the the Lord and Master, and He is God indeed. All right. Now, isn't it amazing that the way that He did it, okay, the way that Jesus did it was He just He preached the gospel without actually preaching the gospel to Thomas. He showed him what He had done for him on the cross. He showed Thomas the love that he had for himself. And now this is God, right? This is he who was from the beginning. John starts like that, right? That he's the word, he existed from the beginning. This is God. And this, this is where God comes down because of his love for you and I, where we can just put ourselves in the shoes of Thomas and know that this is exactly what God is saying to you and I and to everyone, that he has loved you, loved us so much that he has come down for you, for us. And he, in his body, bore the punishment that was for us. He was wounded for us. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, all because he loved us, so that he could reconcile us with the Father. Today, if there is any, if there anyone who has not yet confessed, I'm, I want to encourage you. Today is the day. Today is the day that God is speaking to you, same as he spoke to Thomas. See him, check him. He is the one, he's the God Almighty who came down for you in body to bear in his body the marks and the wounds that would, that would atone you, that would bring you back into his fold. 
Can you can if there's anyone, I would encourage you to now see Jesus the way that Thomas saw him as my Lord and my God. It, this and also for us who are who have already made this confession, who have who have put our faith in God Almighty already, I would encourage you again to understand that if there are things in our lives where we might have been out of sync with God. God is gentle. He is calling us back into this reality that whatever it might be, the wrong understanding of his word, the wrong meaning of certain things that we've taken uh, into uh, because of our history, whatever things are, he is here today to, to, to tell you that he has loved you with, an, with a love which is everlasting and he has loved you to the extent of giving his body for you. And he wants you to come to that reality again, to, to, to know that he understands, he has compassion, and he is a God who has paid the price for our forgiveness. So if there are things in our lives where we need that forgiveness of God, be encouraged that that forgiveness is available to you in the love of God. In this whole, in this whole chapter, this, this, uh, the whole way of John putting it together, what, what we see is the love of God in action to, to, to connect to his own people, to connect to his, his disciple in this case, but even to us. He is a God who is longing for that connection with you. He's a God who has done what is required to reconcile us to the Father. And it is now for us to understand, to know, and to believe that he has finished the work that he has done, and he is our Lord and our God. Let us pray. God Almighty, I just thank you for this, what you've done for us, Lord God Almighty. You have, you have really uh, shown us your love in, in, in an amazing way, Lord, and you have, you have borne for us what on your body what we could have never done in our lives, Lord. You have bought the freedom for us. You have, bought the, you have already paid the price for our punishment. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask you, God, that even as we uh, go back from here, encourage the Lord that you have loved us uh, of knowing that you have compassion on us and that you are a gentle, kind and loving God, Lord. Let us be able to always be in this position, always have this posture of knowing that Jesus, you are our Lord and our God. Amen. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Abhishek, for that word. Yeah. And uh, it's a wonderful reminder of Jesus' love for us in the midst of doubts we may have about anything. You know, every, every time we sin, we're really doubting God because we have no faith in God's word. Yeah? So thank you so much, Abhishek, for serve, serving us. And uh, you know, let, let's, let, let's be people who are saying, Jesus, I'll trust you in whatever situation it is. And we, we can build that up as we know God's word, all right? And so if there's anybody who has not yet put their faith in Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Maybe you put your faith in Jesus, you know, then the next step is baptism in water. And to the rest of us who have trusted in Jesus, we have been baptized. The question to ask is, am I growing in knowing this Jesus who loves me so much? Amen. Wonderful. Great.